Welcome to the Attractions Group Podcast, episode number 69. Hello, everybody. Alongside the peripatetic Ryan Sir, I'm Don Helbig. Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, it's been a great week. How you doing? You know, doing all right. Ready, ready for Thanksgiving. You know, so it's uh, it's always uh, amazing how quick we get to this time of year. I agree. And I heard you had a festive weekend too. I did. Uh, traveled to uh, Pennsylvania. Went to Hershey Park. Wanted to experience uh, their holiday event, Christmas Candy Lane. Um, it's quite nice. Highly recommend it. Awesome. Cool. Well. We have a special guest this week, so before we move on, uh, I just want to let everyone know, remind them that we can be found on all your favorite podcast apps, Apple, Google, Spotify, as well as the video version of the podcast on YouTube. So, Don, why don't you introduce our guest? Well, our special guest on this episode of the Attraction Group Podcast is Pete Owens. He's Vice President of Marketing and Communications for the Dollywood Company. He's based in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Uh, with a background spanning nearly 15 years in television news and over two decades in the amusement industry, Pete is deeply entrenched in the history and impact of amusement parks. Uh, Pete, it's fantastic to have you joining us. Uh, can you start by sharing a little bit about your journey that led you to your current role with Dollywood and your involvement with the National Roller Coaster Museum and Archives? Well, I mean, my history is, uh, as you said, in television. So I was a film major in college. And my intent was to work uh, in that industry forever. And what ended up happening is, you know, as you would expect, um, you know, there are changes in uh, every industry. And I had the opportunity to continue my current path or to look for some other opportunity. And this Dollywood thing kind of landed in my lap. So... Uh, I thought, well, I'll work for Dollywood for a year or two as a spokesperson for the park, and then I'll go back into news, or I'll go teach, or I'll do whatever. Because, you know, 15 years is a pretty full career, uh, and I had I was full steam ahead in the, uh, in the news industry. But uh, started working for Dollywood, fell in love with the industry, had always been, you know, somewhat of a theme park enthusiast. Uh, when my uh, when uh, my wife and I got married, we went to Disney for our honeymoon, and the first vacation we took was to Silver Dollar City. And my home parks were uh, Peony Park in Omaha, Nebraska, which your historians may remember uh, that little park and Worlds of Fun. Uh, and so uh, I, you know, had that as kind of the tip of the iceberg, but then got involved in the industry. Uh, I remarked to somebody uh, last week that uh, it was my 22nd IAPA Expo, and I volunteered with IAPA basically from the time I started at um, at uh, Dollywood uh, and have since. I'm still on the communications committee as long as IAPA lets that committee happen, uh, and I'm sure I'll get dragged in to do some other things with the organization. But um, back in uh, 2008... Uh, Gary Slade uh, asked me if I'd be interested in efforts that they were uh, undertaking to reincorporate the National Roller Coaster Museum and Archive in the state of Texas uh, and to relocate the archives to Texas for a couple of reasons. Number one, it had been a dream going back to 1978 when ACE was founded to have not only you know, a club in which celebrated roller coasters, 
but also the ability to help preserve and protect coasters. And uh, Richard Munch was already on board, one of the three founders of ACE, as this new reincorporation of the NRCMA. So Gary asked, and I uh, uh, and I agreed. So it was an opportunity to get even more deeply involved in the industry, and I've been involved ever since. Yeah. Um, so can you can you uh, kind of discuss uh, some of the people that were involved in the National Roller Coaster Museum and its founding and getting it to where it is today? Well, originally it was founded by ACE, and uh, it was and the history of that. Um, there was an ACE archives, and the museum was part of ACE archives. So, for the, your listeners that are not familiar with ACE, it's the American Coaster Enthusiasts. Uh, and as I said, they were founded back in 1978, and uh, they uh, were kind of operating both sides of that archive and the idea that they eventually would like to build a museum. Unfortunately, there was no forward momentum, and there were things that were being willed to the museum that were just sitting in storage, and there was no plan to move that forward. So Gary Slade, the publisher of Amusement Today, uh, and Jeff Novotny, who uh, is the former owner of Larson International, since that company is now owned by Rocky Mountain Construction, um, Carol Sanderson, uh, who is a former ACE president, um, uh, Chris Gray, Robert Ulrich, who is also a past president of, of the American Coaster Enthusiasts, Richard uh, Tom Sheehan, who is uh, an attorney in the industry and represents both sides of the industry, both suppliers and parks. Uh, Walt Bowser, uh, who at the time that he that we started with the new NRCMA, he was the vice president of engineering uh, and maintenance for Six Flags Corporation, um, and uh, uh, and uh, several other folks were involved in that re. Uh, in, in that re kind of uh, constitution of the roller coaster museum, but really the key players in that uh, were uh, Novotny and Gary, uh, because Jeff not only donated the land where the roller coaster museum sits now, he also donated the labor to build the buildings that we have, has donated labor and materials in regard to. Uh, a lot of the fabrication that you see for the displays that we have uh, and a lot of the conservation efforts as well as uh, helping us keep the lights on and doing security and all of those things because the five acres on which the museum sits, sits adjacent to Larson in Plainview. It was also great because the climate there in Plainview is so dry, it afforded the opportunity for us to be able to store some things in the environment that was not going to be uh, corrosive to um, the running hardware or the track work that we had or a lot of the other signage that we had as we were going through the process. And now because the area is so large with more than 20,000 square feet under roof, uh, we have a lot of that archive uh, inside all of the paper archives in a climate controlled uh, area. Uh, so all of the paper, the the hundreds of thousands of documents that we have and the collections that we have, um, the blueprints, 
uh, all of those things that are within the, are that are within the archive system uh, that are uh, that are there for for review. That's excellent. Now let's shift the focus to the museum's broader collection. You know, what are some of the notable items that have been collected over the years? Well, I mean, I think the highlights. Uh, I mean, there are a lot, right? Um, when I first got involved, the big piece that we brought in into the fold was uh, Big Bad Wolf. So John Riley was the was the park president at. Uh, at uh, Williamsburg at the time, and he was 100% in on helping us. So we were able to get an entire train, the section of track that was in the station, and then uh, uniforms, control panel, signage, all of those things that were related to uh, operation of the ride. Uh, and it also helped us establish some credibility within the industry as we went forward to do um, to uh, to do other acquisitions, and because Sheehan is on the board, and Sheehan represents Disney and Universal and other large players in the industry, that also helped us with some you know some of the other acquisitions. I mean, just recently, Montezuma's Revenge came in. Um, Mock sent us a fully restored um, track-mounted Eurostat car. Um, you know, we have the Super Duper Looper that has been put on a display, you know, things as odd as, uh, you know, the Wonderland Pier, uh, ride that, uh, uh, is, is pretty, pretty interesting, uh, uh, entire train from Roller Coaster, an entire track section and train from Texas Cyclone, um, a, a Coney Island Cyclone, um, train, uh, an Orient Express train uh, that's currently, actually the lead coach is currently on loan to Worlds of Fun for their anniversary museum. You know, Mantis. Uh, and, but probably the thing that started the relationship that we have with Disney was a uh, second generation Matterhorn uh, train that is part of the collection. And then that is expanded into some other uh, elements that we've been able to, uh, to add to the museum that we're not quite le uh, ready. They're not quite ready for prime time yet, but we will be uh, we will be putting into uh, design for the on some of the final uh, on sign some of the final uh, um, displays. Yeah, uh, excellent. So, building on that, Pete, uh, could you please share a bit about the diverse pieces within the museum and how they contribute to the overall narrative that you're trying to push for the uh, amusement park history well i mean i think that's the thing right and it's the conversation that we have with ace members a lot well is it a roller coaster museum or is it a, a museum of uh, uh of the entire theme park industry and i'd lean toward it is you know it's about the history of fun in the theme park industry so we have the entire selner collection as an example and the Selner collection, Selner is uh, an amusement ride manufacturer that made uh, the Tilt-A-Whirl. They have all the patents on the Tilt-A-Whirl. They also made odd rides, like a ride like the Looper, which is kind of a squashed uh, Ferris wheel that rotates, and it's kind of a vertical whip action. Um, they did uh, some of the original water slides into lakes, on um, on sleds 
and we have some of the original sleds and all of the drawings of everything that we've done. So really, really interesting collections. But we have things that are like at, uh, an avalanche vehicle in track section, uh, Texas Splashdown with a vehicle and uh, control panel and all the signage, because all of that fits into what the theme park experience is. And what we're trying to do is, with the collection, give a full picture of, of what the theme park industry is. One of the full collections we have also is the, the collection from Lark. And Lark is a long-standing theme park, amusement park, water park, resort development company that uh, did a lot of projects that happened and many, many, many dozens of other projects that didn't. And so there's a lot of neat things that are within the collection. But I think what is striking is the whole idea of you know, there is a mix of attractions that are related to, you know, what is in, um, you know, what's in the collection. And that helps, you know, provide a really good picture of um, the amusement industry and also that theme park experience that you had as um, a kid or a parent or a grandparent. And, uh, and, and that's the idea. But then, so you then translate that to what's the academic side of that? And we're working toward that. So we have engineering drawings, we have mm -hmm. blueprints, we have uh, a lot of documentation that engineering students or other designers have an opportunity to be able to uh, look and see. We have the entire Aero collection. So that includes uh, test videos. You'll see if you go to our YouTube channel, you know, there are test videos of uh, aero testing rides with speed testing and what that looked like through the 70s and 80s. Um, just some really interesting things that will be made available to folks. So we do that now on a, on a request basis, uh, depending upon what a uh, designer is trying to do or what a, what a ride engineer is trying to do. I mean, I think one of the coolest things that we donated from Dollywood was the original pin model for the, ten uh, for the Tennessee Tornado. And you can very easily see within yeah. that pin model that the ride itself was not supposed to be as short as it is. So it was supposed to make a left-hand turn out of the, out of the, uh, the opposing uh, butterfly loops and go down that holler with... Uh, a couple of more inversions before it came back and then it hit that brake run straight on, which makes a lot more sense than that hard right-hand turn. And, you know, for many years before that ride had magnetic brakes on it, you'd hit that brake run and everybody would be going forward and the whole, the whole rig would shake. Uh, and it makes an entire, it makes much more, uh, a much greater design, but also have blueprints for a lot of classic rides. Uh, from uh, from Arrow through through the years, so it's uh, it's been a labor of love for a lot, especially especially somebody like Gary, who has spent literally thousands of hours there going through all of this, all the paper goods to catalog it all, and uh, and to and have, has viewed all of the videotapes, and we've transferred many of them to digital, so they'll be available as we move forward. 
You know, Pete, uh, it seems like the master plan for the museum is starting to, to really come together. Um, how much longer would you, you know, project to, to where maybe it's, it's going to be eventually open uh, for the public? Well, I mean, I think the, so it's open now. If you're part of, uh, if you're part of one of the, the clubs or if you want to get involved into like the Texas Roundup, West Texas Roundup for sure. And we always will go through and do, uh, uh, we always go through and uh, tour uh, the museum, kind of show them where we are and what's happening. But what's great is um, uh, we're working with Rick Bastrop and Richard Munch are doing the actual designs for the individual um, guest journey through the museum. And the intent now, because everything we've done has been 100% by donation, is that we probably are going to take this a chunk at a time. So we'll do, all the designs will be done, and we're expecting at our next board meeting to see what, what Richard and Rick have, have come up with. Uh, and then we'll go out for animatronics or other things. We'll go out to the industry and try to get donations from manufacturers for those kind of things. And we'll go through to try to raise money for, you know, say it's the growth of the, you know, what's the arc of the wood coaster, right? What's the history arc of the wood coaster? So are we going to great coasters or RMC or... Who are we going to go to to see if they will fund that uh, that section of the museum? So as we go through that, we're hopeful that people will get excited by it and it will start to snowball and we'll grow and be able to do this quickly. But, um, you know, doing it 100% on donations and by volunteer time, it's been a rather challenging endeavor over the last, you know, 15, 16 years that we've been involved in it. But it is... Uh, uh, it's going to happen, and the folks that are involved, especially um, Jeff Novotny, who's now retired after selling his company to RMC, and uh, Richard, who just retired uh, after a career as an architect, uh, they're very focused in trying to get this done as quickly as we can. And then, of course, as we move forward, we continue to, uh, you know, take in um, a lot of. Uh, uh, a lot of uh, new assets because also part of what our mission is to preserve and protect and so things that are going to be um, removed uh, and potentially destroyed um, have uh, you know have an opportunity to uh, to find a place uh, within the museum collection so that we can uh, so that we can we can protect it. And right now, there's plenty of room in the Mark Moore Wing, uh, which is about 10,000 square feet, to be able to house some of that until that all becomes um, that all becomes full museum space. And, you know, that's clear span 10,000 square feet. So it's going to provide us quite a canvas for what it is that we're going to do. But um, you know, it's as we say, it's a, it is labor of love, but it's something that's taken some time. Well, it's certainly appreciated. Um, so recently you acquired uh, a vehicle from the 1911 Derby Racer from Lakeside Park. Can you talk about the significance of that? Yeah, I mean, the, so what's incredible is, that, so this car is a 1911 side friction car that uh, has, uh, it was 
from the original Derby Racer at Lakeside Park in Colorado. It's the oldest vehicle now within the collection. Now, we have several prior and church cars that are slightly younger than that, uh, and we've used those prior and church cars as opportunities to juxtapose them with, say, a Millennium Flyer car so that you can see the transition of, of the technology. But I'll tell you what's really interesting is that some of that original technology um, is still very workable and is very easily seen uh, in some vehicles that Mike Boodley designed or some of the vehicles that we're seeing now um, that, uh, that some of the other manufacturers are making. But this is a vehicle that was uh, obtained and restored by Randy Duffer, who's an ACE member. Uh, and it took him um, over about 20 years total to be able to get through the full restoration and uh, by, uh, by being able to get that in the collection, Randy knows that that is going to, um, you know, have the, uh, have a place that's protected for the future so that we know that that history is going to live on. You know, Pete, let's um, talk about the restoration that goes on. Can you share or shed some light on that, uh, you know, the manufacturers, you know, what they've done or the parks maybe before these items come to the museum? Well, yeah, I mean, a great example is um, what the partnership that we have with, with Europa Park. So that Eurostack coaster uh, vehicle that came in, um, they literally tore it all the way down. I mean, basically the same thing that you would do when you're doing NDT on a ride to get it ready to go for the next season and they redid all of the all of the fiberglass work. They redid everything uh, in the vehicle so that it was as it was when when it's it started its journey as um, uh, as uh, a coaster vehicle uh, at Europa Park because they wanted to make sure that they were able to showcase that ride uh, to be able to. Uh, uh, you know, so it lives on. But another great example is this uh, 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 this Ottaway steam locomotive that um, that Chance um, just donated to us. Uh, now, this is uh, it, again. You you think about you know theme park stories, and uh, that certainly is a uh, you know that's certainly a, a historical story for Chance. Uh, Dick Chance's dad started working with Ottaway Steam, um, and uh, that's where he started before he started Chance. And he uh, basically was a fabricator and built these um, these uh, steam locomotives and passenger cars uh, when uh, he was a young man. And it was an opportunity to be able to to uh, restore. Uh, and kind of uh, preserve memory by the Chance family to be able to, uh, and then be able to provide it for the museum. Whether or not we'll run it as, a, uh, as an actual attraction is really kind of uh, uh, up in the air right now, uh, because getting it, Building a museum is one thing. Uh, getting into the attractions business is something else, and uh, there are different uh, requirements for that. 
but it's certainly uh, it's certainly an attractive idea. Um, you know, another example of uh, of opportunity. Um, you know, Kenobi Lake sent us um, the uh, uh, sent us parts of uh, the corkscrew, and part of it is the the train that started its life at Old Chicago. Uh, it's arrow. It's arrow number two for those of you keeping score of our uh, of things that we have within the collection. But the cool thing of that, you know, we'll we'll set up a display for it. But we have the actual we have one of the actual loops, and we're looking to use that loop as an iconic piece as you enter uh, the property for the roller coaster museum. And I think that's going to be an incredibly um, beautiful addition as well uh and something that um even though it was um you know the loop itself was uh um dismantled we had the opportunity to uh to, to build it back the way that it was and that's another uh great benefit of having uh the museum next to larson they're able to do that kind of work for us and that fabrication work to be able to get that installed and and that's the intent of that piece. Well, Pete, you mentioned um, you know the Ottawa steam locomotive. You guys recently acquired one, um, and you mentioned that that's where uh, you know chance rides can kind of trace back their origins. Um, you mentioned also that there was debate as to whether to run it or not, which is interesting because I hadn't heard that angle yet. But um, as it stands now, uh, how is this going to be an educational part for its link to the industry? Is it simply that a member of the Chance family worked there, or uh, is it because roller coasters were inspired by trains or like, what are your thoughts for the, the narrative message involved with it? Well, I think you hit two big pieces. So one of them is that, um, a foundational company within the modern theme park industry, uh, chance rides was, uh, influenced, uh, educated, um, started, uh, at Ottawa Trains. That's where Dick's dad started before they started Chance Rides. Uh, it afforded, you know, the opportunity uh, as well. Uh, Ottawa Locomotives, um, you know, started C.P. Huntington. And so that is, you know, that was the inspiration of those miniature trains. Um, and if you look through the history of our industry and you look at small parks, so look at a Knobles or look at a, a, a the now the recently defunct Joyland Park out in Emer or out in Lubbock rather. Um, they have this kind of train. It is an integral attraction to a lot of zoos, a lot of a lot of uh, small amusement parks, um, and back in the trolley park days in that era as well. So there's a lot of historical opportunity for us to tell those stories using this as an icon. But it's also a great tie to the Chance family and an opportunity to tell that historical <laughs> story when we're talking about Chance. Yeah, Pete, um, you know, you just had these two significant donations to the museum. When you're looking to the future, you're looking ahead, and you find that uh, you know maybe a ride's going to be retired or anything like that. Uh, does the museum anybody reach out to the parks? and say, hey, we'd like to have something? Or how does how does that go about in terms of the acquisition process? Uh, it really goes both ways. 
so you'll have um you know you'll have an opportunity where um some parks will say you know hey we're going to take out x um are you guys interested in it um and if we are i mean we used to take full trains we just literally don't have room for full trains anymore we do like unique opportunities to be able to now if there's a reason to have it we'll get it but it, it, you know it's really more about lead coaches or uh things that are iconic uh that help us tell the story it really now is about moving the story along and preserving that piece of history um on the flip side you know you look at something like um a piece we wish we had um uh, and that is the wooden mouse that uh was that was at blackpool we reached out to try to get that piece there were ongoing conversations about that um and uh it uh just didn't pan out i mean we keep trying for pieces uh that's why we continue to uh uh, that's why we're trying to continue to sweeten the relationship that we have with Disney, because so much of the modern, um, you know, so much of the modern theme park history is uh, was started there. You know, what is the what are those things that are out there that they have within their archives, and they've been magnanimous enough to bring us out there as a board to be able to go search through their archives and their trailers of things. Um, and as I said, there are a couple of things that are in, that are in our collection that that depending upon what the story is, we'll be able to tell some. Uh, we'll be able to add them to to the uh, to the attractions mix. Um, and I think that's going to be the thing, right? We're going to have to find a, uh, through this process as we build out the story of uh, of the museum and the guest journey. Then I think you know, with the help of uh, some sort of uh, of some level of curation what are those things that are going to rotate in and out because this collection is literally between paper and rolling stock hundreds of thousands of pieces of history and um, our intent is to continue to grow that and to make sure that we have that as as uh, uh, as a collection uh, for posterity so Pete you mentioned um you know, the, the, the different board members, some of the names that have come up is Richard Munch, Gary Slade, Carol Sanderson, yourself. Um, there, there's gotta be a lot of camaraderie involved. Cause I know this, you mentioned several times, this is a labor of love. Can you talk about the camaraderie and how that affects how you guys work together for these projects? Well, absolutely. I mean, we all are very passionate about the industry. We're all very passionate about, um, you know, ensuring that this happens but um, most all of us are some level of ride geek, right? I mean, it is a thing that, you know, we like to ride. Um, you know, some of the folks that are on the board that, um, you know, a guy like Chris Gray, it was, his, it was his childhood dream to do this. And so that afforded him the opportunity, you know, with GCI and now with Skyline that he's able to design and build these coasters. But he is... You know, it's very important to him uh, that we try to preserve the past. I mean, you know, the folks that former board member like Adam Sandy is still really involved with helping us from a historical standpoint. You know, now he's, he's a little too busy with what he's doing with Zamperla, but, you know, he's still an incredible resource for us. Um, 
you know, uh, Derek Shaw, as an example, uh, has volunteered with the museum. He's never been a board member, but is a historian for us and works with Richard to trace the history of different things that we have. But Richard has a whole gaggle of people that are, um, you know, focused on the history of the industry that help us, you know, answer some questions and trace the lineage of things. But, you know, adding somebody, um, Ed Hiller just joined the board. He's the CEO of Ride Entertainment Group. Um, you know, they they rep lots of different manufacturers, uh, including, including Gerslauer and others. And, uh, you know, he's a great person to be able to help us. And through that, it is how do you connect the dots, right? And I think that that's really... Um, an important part of what we do but um it's fun we like to have a good time uh folks go and look at rollercoastermuseum.org which we just uh that's a refresh on the website we just redid the website uh within the last couple of weeks it might look up the buzzed bar uh we actually built a bar within the museum <laughs> itself and uh and so that is a uh um, that was something that was important to, to Gary and Jeff and, uh, a lot of the pieces that are within the, uh, that are within the buzzed bar, uh, are pieces of history. I mean, there are, you know, a lot of brake levers. There are a lot of, uh, um, that are, there's a lot of wood that are from uh, a couple of different coasters. Um, so, so some really, really neat stuff. Uh, that's around, and it's a lot of fun to, to be with those folks, whether we're in Plainview or at IAPA or wherever we are. You know, Pete, the website looks fantastic. Had a chance to check it out last week as we were preparing uh, to do this podcast with you. you got some really, really cool items that have been collected. Now, do you have a favorite item, one of those things that uh, you just always kind of migrate back to? You just start, you know, just enamored with it. Well, I mean, you know, it's interesting. Um, I mean, I think... Um, you know, when you look at, when you look at everything we have, the fact that we were able to get a Matterhorn, uh, second generation Matterhorn, um, tandem is incredible. But, um, you know, I think I'm like a lot of folks. I tend to gravitate toward the things in which I have the most memories. I go when, when, uh, uh, we rescued some of these things from the way that they were being stored historically, and a great example of that's the Orient Express. We also have a ride, we have an entire train from a ride called Thunder Express that was at Dollywood, and it was at, and it was at um, Six Flags St. Louis before that. Um, and uh, sitting in those vehicles, I mean, I'm kind of an old Aero fan, and sitting in those and the memories sitting in the front car of the Orient Express um, was, uh, it, it's just great to be able to, uh, to feel that. Um, sitting in the tub of, uh, of uh, Big Bad Wolf, and now because of the way the display is, it's suspended, and, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a cool thing. So it's hard for me to pick, but... Um, there's so many good pieces. There really are. And I think it's really going to be a rich uh, guest journey to be able to tell people um, who the people are that were 
the most influential and uh, in what it means, you know, to the history of fun. All right. So one last question, Pete. So for those listeners that are interested in the National Roller Coaster Museum and Archives, which should be everybody, where can they find more information? Well, rollercoastermuseum.org is, the, is a great place to go. Uh, you can get a lot of information. There's opportunities there for uh, to become a volunteer. There's an opportunity to, uh, if you're interested in doing some sort of a thing at the museum, and you want to host an event out there, so you know, say you're uh, a club not ace, um, and you want to do something, or you'd like to do that, you have an opportunity to reach out to us to be able to do that. But probably the most important thing is is that you can donate there, and that's the place that you know very easily uh, can just click a button and donate, um, and uh, and all of the proceeds go to. Uh, directly into the museum. Uh, there is no overhead. So I think that's, you know, answers the question of why it's in plain view and also answers the question of what do you do with the money? Well, none of us get anything. I mean, we pay for our own travel. We, uh, you know, I paid for the refresh of the website and I pay for the monthly fee for the website. Just that's part of my donation to the museum. Um, and, you know, Jeff Novotny pays for uh, the overhead. So there is, you know, none of that. Um, the donations that we get for the American Coaster Enthusiasts go immediately into helping us uh, get acquisitions. Um, shipping is not inexpensive. Um, the, uh, the loop that we picked up... Um, that is going to be a centerpiece for the museum and the train uh, took five tractor trailers. So that's not an inexpensive date to be able to get us to be able to uh, get that from all the way across the country. But, you know, our folks uh, uh, try to do it in the most um, frugal way that we can. Uh, And uh, so the money, we know that the money that uh, we get is going to the right place. So those are the, I would say that that's the best place, but, um, and I would say this too, if you have a collection or you have something you want to, that you have, that you want to donate, uh, say you picked up a vehicle or you picked up a collection of things at an auction or, uh, or it's something that has been in your rec room and it's something that you think is, uh, um, is, is noteworthy email us and the email is you can uh there's a contact form there email us and let us know and we'll evaluate what it is and where it's from and uh we'll see uh, how we could fit in the collection so all those things are opportunities to be able to get involved well pete i can tell you that my wife would just absolutely love it if that b seat that's in my living room could be moved somewhere else. She's not a fan of it, but uh, you know, Pete. Really, thank you for joining us. You know, taking us on this journey uh, for the National Roller Coaster Museum and Archives, uh, the history and the collections that are in there. You know, it's fascinating to learn about it. Um, I really want to, you know, be able to get to Plainview and, and check it out. I think it would just be one of those days I would just spend hours in there, uh, you know, just looking at everything. I know Ryan would like to check out uh, the Buzz Bar. 
and uh, see what that's all about. But, uh, you know, this has really been a, uh, an enjoyable conversation for us and appreciate your time. It is entirely my pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thanks for taking the time and asking us. About Absolutely. This. Now, I, I want to give a different plug, too, because uh, the shop that you guys have is just incredible. I Actually, I just remembered to grab this. This is a poster. I haven't framed it yet, but I got this in the, the Schwarzkopf uh, 3D printed logo. Uh, the last time we had Chris Roberry on the show and he, he mentioned the shop. So I checked it out. So definitely check out the shop. I assume it's still on the website and it's been refreshed, correct? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And that is, I'll tell you, Chris is amazing. That's an example of somebody that is, is probably one of our most rabid volunteers. He is, he does, uh, all the social for us and he is, uh, and the store was really his, uh, brainchild and his passion and um, the artwork that was created for us I think is amazing a lot of photography that you see of the individual ride vehicles that are beautifully lit and all of that Chris has taken all of those and uh, it, it is uh, it, it's amazing and I can't thank him enough for everything that he's done um, just has been amazing uh, and has helped us move this um kind of titanic of a project down the road much faster than perhaps it would have gotten there without. yeah so we're going to link to your website in the description of both the youtube video and the uh the podcast app so give them a look donate buy some stuff it's really cool stuff so i couldn't recommend it more but pete once again i want to express my gratitude it's been fantastic having you on the show uh so thank you everybody for listening remember you can find us on all your favorite podcast apps as well as youtube and follow us on twitter slash x at attractions underscore grp until next time.